When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I saw, I saw a few weeks back that you were, where you used to go on holiday in France, like as a kid, you went back to there. How was how was that kind of experience for you? It was amazing, man. I went back to that place, which is in the um, southwest of France, where I was born, by the way. Actually, I was born very close to that place in Bordeaux. And yeah, it was it, amazing. Um, it's a place called Euronat, which it's a sick name. I want to use it for one of my next projects in the future. Yeah, it was um, very moving and interesting. I didn't know up until last minute that I was going to go. I was a bit, I was sort of like stuck in London and with all the coronavirus thing going on, I wasn't sure if I was going going to travel. But last minute, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just, let's do it. And um, I went by myself. Amazing, amazing experience, man. Had it changed much? Not really. I mean, uh, as I said, it's it's like frozen in time. It's like stuck in the 90s. It's crazy. And I think it's an amazing thing to have nowadays because progress is exponential and things they change so fast but that place is just i don't know it was like taking a time capsule and everything was the same exactly the same and it just it felt very 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 good and very yeah grounded like now, now more than ever things are kind of changing at a really rapid rate like this year in particular yeah yeah it's insane i just i can't keep up so i think using those you know things that you have around you to keep yourself grounded anything can be useful but but going back to the funny thing about that place that I didn't mention on on social media um just because I thought it was going to take too much time and um is the fact that that place is actually um called an, a naturist camp so so basically it's it's another word for nudist camp so yeah it's just a place where a bunch of mostly old people I would say go um to be free and naked and uh, so my my father has a tennis club there, which is why 
um, the reason why I used to spend my holidays there. And yeah, everyone, well, not everyone, but most of the people play tennis just naked. <laughs> <laughs> Does it improve your game? Yeah, I would say so. It's a bit uncomfortable with the balls. But, you know, women, they use um, bras and they just, if they have breasts, they just put the balls in between the breasts. And that sounds a bit weird, but uh, yeah. How, how often did you used to go there as a kid? Man, every summer, every single summer, my dad is a tennis coach, just has been doing that for his entire life. He got his job. He got that like gig when I was about probably like six years old. And the funny thing was that my dad didn't really know how to, t- I have a sister as well. So he didn't really know how to tell my sister and I that we were going to spend the holidays in a nudist camp. And so his best solution to that was just not, <laughs> not to tell us. <laughs> and um, we were driving there and um, my dad wasn't saying anything, radio silence. Uh, we get to the gates, we go inside. It's quite a, you know, very, it's, I think it's the biggest, nud- uh, biggest nudist camp in Europe, if I'm not wrong. Really? Man. Hence, yeah, hence what, why it's called Euronat. And uh, yeah, as we got in, my father was just, he wasn't saying a thing. We're driving in his old, old, uh, not a truck, like his old van where he carried all of his equipment and he wasn't saying anything. And first thing, first thing I see when I get there is just this old woman just riding her bicycle naked. So you can imagine me as a seven year old. I was just like, what, what, what is that? And I looked at my dad <laughs> and he just started laughing like, like, you know, like hysterical laugh. Yeah, that's a memory that I... I uh, I'll remember. <laughs> are there any are there any pieces of music for you that are quite associated with that kind of time in your life when you used to go there in, in the summer as a kid? Yeah, man, of course. I would say I used to listen. I think one of my not not the first, but when I was about that age, I used to listen to a lot of radio. And there's a um, a French radio called Skyrock, which is like the number one radio in France, probably still at the minute. And the funny thing is, they play rap music mostly and hip hop. And it's called Skyrock. Yeah, especially in that, that same van that my dad was driving, I was driving, I would just lock myself up inside that car and just blast music all day long. I could just spend hours just like sitting on the, you know, the front seat and listening to music. Like all the, big, the biggest hits at the, at the moment. I used to listen to a lot of French hip hop, funnily enough. And then I would say mostly my first musical crush was Michael Jackson. I would listen, I had his CDs and I would just listen to them inside that same car in Euronat. I could, I could spend like three hours, four hours, nonstop, just listening, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Did the, the hip hop and the Michael Jackson, did they have a different effect on you or was it very much kind of tapping into the same emotion for you? Maybe different emotion in the sense that I was a Michael Jackson fan, you know, so I was very sort of emotionally involved with his music uh, I would connect to it in a different way I would also read the lyrics at the same time that's actually how I, I learned to speak English just by listening to the music and, and reading lyrics and then yeah hip-hop I mean I think it, it was a good thing for me because I I very quickly sort of drifted between genres uh, I like both moments equally but I'd like to say that Michael Jackson was definitely the first thing that I listened to intensely. Crazy how you started learning English from that as well. Yeah, man. And also back in the days we had the CDs, you know, so the albums, I would, I would try and actually get, find the albums and, and buy them. And I, you would look at the cover and at the pictures 
you had a like a sort of whole different relationship with the product that you were consuming and uh, I'm feeling quite lucky in that sense you know that I had the opportunity to have CDs and having to wait for music and having to look for it and download it and I don't know go through sort of like series of uncomfortable situations at times to get the music as well yeah it makes it more of an experience and it makes the actual process of then listening to it more rewarding yeah man i i just remember when i was a kid first of all it wasn't cool to listen to michael jackson i don't know if it ever was maybe in the 80s but as a seven or a 10 year old boy in france it wasn't really like oh my god you listen to michael jackson you're you're the coolest <laughs> I had a friend called Anne Fleur and she had this brother who was like 15 years old. So he was way cooler than us. We were probably about 10 years old. And um, I was just playing with, with Anne Fleur and she was telling me, oh, you know, my brother Guillaume has this CD by Michael Jackson. It's called Bad. And I didn't have that album. And I knew it existed because I could see on the other covers, you know, like those are the Michael Jackson albums. I knew I didn't have that one. And for me, it was like, a treasure you know i had to get it absolutely she was like you can go ask him if you want <laughs> and he was in his bedroom i'm always going to remember he was 15 years old just like turning into a teenager hated us for some reason you know like when you're a teenager just, hey, everything. yeah you don't you don't want to have anything to do with childhood anymore so i just found the courage went up to his room and i got in and he opened the door and his room was full of um eminem posters and i, I said uh sorry do you do you have the the Michael Jackson album? And he just looked at me and went like, you know, like, basically laugh at me. It was like, oh, oh, you want you want this piece of shit? Yeah, there you go. Basically threw it to me, and I just crawled and and grabbed it. And uh, yeah, one of the best days of my life. It's funny because I feel like Eminem has now become the thing that is probably less cool to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it, it's flipped. Um, I love Eminem, by the way. I I, I went I I got deep into Eminem. <laughs> about two years later probably had something to learn from him i think i went that yeah the marshall mathers lp that was the one yeah, yeah yeah it was crazy same got it on on album and listening to a lot of music inside the car which is now that i think of it it's a it's a good experience inside of cars that are not driving parked cars there's something weird about being in a car as well when it's moving and you're listening to music it's weird how music can kind of blend into life and it can become part of an experience like if you're driving there and you've got the music on it becomes part of yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. in that memory i think that's how i want my music to be experienced mostly either driving or walking or when it becomes part of a sort of like a background music for a moment because that's that's how i've consumed it most of my life and and i think it's the right way to do it you know when the right song comes in and you're in the car or even in public transport yeah you can you can experience some nice, nice, nice moments. As a creator, how do you how do you work that out? How do you know if it's going to impact people in that setting? And, and how do you know it's got that quality about it where it can blend into life? I, I just, I don't know. I don't ever make music in with those thoughts in my mind or those ideas. I never think, oh, I'm going to make music that is going to sound good when people are having an emotional moment or I don't know, man. It's just, for me, I just, I try to do my best and hopefully... It's, it, it is with that intention, but without specifically, you know what I mean? Without specifically thinking, okay, I'm going to do this for this specific moment. It's just, I hope that somehow it will end up through the magic of algorithms <laughs> to the right ears at the right moment. 
I remember. Are you are you familiar with Burial at all? The kind of English artist. Oh yeah, Burial. Yep. I remember reading about him once, and the way that he used to test his music was that he would go and drive about the city like at three in the morning when it was absolutely dead, playing like his music, like the mix he was working on, and just seeing how it kind of felt and how it fitted in with the landscape. Mm, yeah, that's a great idea. I think I just read the same, like very similar thing. James Blake saying how he likes to listen to his mixes inside the car, which is a good idea, I think. Yeah. Did you write any music when you were back in that in that place you used to go as a kid, like a month or so ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took my. I have a very small um, MPK Mini, really cheap one, um, like a MIDI controller. Took that. I've had it for a few years, and I always take it with me when I travel. I sat down in the same chair where I take breakfast. I took breakfast when I was a kid, and um, try and 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 write some music. I was working on a collaboration with um, an artist from from California. I think he's from LA. His name is Geneva. He does sort of like lo-fi house music. Um, really cool. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, check him out. Really cool guy. Yeah, we've been working. It's funny because like since lockdown started, I started collaborating way more than before. And I did those sort of like, you know, long distance collaborations. I didn't realize how awesome it is. You know, you can just go back and forth and uh, you can still manage to create nice pieces of arts even if you're far away from each other it's funny i noticed the same thing with doing this podcast i was just used to do this podcast in person and it was only really through lockdown and the idea that artists weren't going to be touring for the foreseeable future that i was kind of forced to embrace this different way of doing it through zoom and it it just opens up so many opportunities and i'm sure the same thing yeah applies to you with the music yeah yeah, definitely and you know what i think it happened to a lot of people like i think lockdown of course brought like many negative sides one thing that it did, people had to face themselves a little bit and go like, okay, what is it that I really want to do? Or what can I do to just kill time? I mean, at least for me, that's that's what it felt like. And I believe that the same happened to a few friends of mine. So yeah, I actually became way more productive since, uh, since the lockdown. Was that collaboration with BB Sway, was that one of the ones that was done through lockdown as well? Um, BB Sway, I think we started, no. That was different because we always worked in person. Um, she would always come down to my studio here. I wrote the song back in Barcelona when I was traveling. I went to Barcelona last December. I sort of escaped the deadly December month in London and was lucky enough to go to Barcelona for a month with the purpose of studying for my uh, final exams because I, 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 I was studying at Goldsmiths University. Yeah, in the meantime, I was making music as well. And one evening, I just I did the beat on the same little controller, and I knew I knew I wanted a girl to sing on that song, so I just kept it for a few few, few months, and then we linked up with um, BB Sway, and yeah, it happened. That was the first song we did together, actually. Did you have an idea of what you wanted it to be? Because the the kind of narrative of that song is quite a distinct kind of girl sings her part of the story and then the guy sings his part of the story and it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, I know. It, <laughs> it, ended, it ended up being quite cliche, I think. But it's fine. I like cheesy, cheesy things. I think it's it's good, you know. Always go go classic. So It works, though. I mean, if it's true to you and it kind of fits the story and the emotion that you wanted to convey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we just ended up... She was just... Yeah, she just recently broke up with her now ex-girlfriend. I thought it was a good subject to to kind of um explore i've had my breaks up my breakup in the past so yeah just ended up being like that and 
yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Who recorded their half of the performance first? I recorded a hook first by myself. And then when she came, she changed it slightly. And we modified it together and she did. She laid out her vocals first. Such an amazing singer and she does, she does it so quickly as well. You know, half an hour and she has all the main melodies. She writes the lyrics on the spot and she does like a hundred takes of harmonies and so on which left me with a lot of editing to do. Yeah, and then I recorded my my half by myself, um, like another day. What's the energy like in the room when you're with a collaborator like that? How does that impact you when someone is kind of reflowing in that way? I mean, it's great, man. It's mostly how I've done music most of my life was with other people around. And I mean, I love I love doing it by myself. But then when someone else comes in, it's just different. You get on the same vibe. And sometimes you don't as well. We have times. I'm writing a few songs with um, with Bibi Sway now for a um, potential EP in the future. And uh, we already got about four songs down. And sometimes it works great. And some other days, you know, you're just tired and you don't know that it doesn't work. Okay, no matter. I think what matters is just to work, you know, just do it. But um, it's always good vibes with her anyways. How, how did you guys connect? What was your first impression of her? Actually, I met her through my girlfriend. My girlfriend met her at a Vietnamese place <laughs> and they just randomly started talking to each other, kept in touch. And uh, yeah, I think we first spoke through, you know, Internet, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, we vibed real like she's a really easy going girl. And um, it was um, easy, easy stuff, easy stuff. You know, like when you get along with someone straight away, especially with music, like if you have that in common, no need for words. We just got along how how well did you know her when you first heard her music mm, i didn't know her at all first time i spoke to her we like started speaking about music straight away and i sent her the demo of about you and we kind of exchanged a few voice message and then first time in person was in the studio how much of a sense of her personality could you get from her music then when you listen to it if you didn't know her too well not that much to be honest i mean you could tell she was very sparkly and a very you know creative person but she's only started like she only had an ep worth of songs when i met her and uh, i got to know much more of her when i met her in person and i also heard the stuff that she's about to release now it gave me more of a you know complete idea how much stuff did you kind of have of your own when you met her did you have quite had you kind of started to build up a back catalog of stuff that was going to be lover ground and kind of beats and stuff that you could work on with that oh yeah 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 I have a lot of music. I'm sitting on a lot of music. When she came to the studio, I, I, I showed her quite a lot. I had just released my first single when I met her. So, yeah, not a lot of music. What, what kind of emerges then when you're going forward as a thing that's going to be the next single? What kind of separates itself from the rest of the pack if you've got quite a lot of stuff that you're sitting on that you know needs yeah. to be the next thing to come out? What's kind of going through your mind when you're, when you're selecting things? Right now, I'm trying to be as um, smart as I can with what I'm going to release. So this is a solo project and more of a kind of a producer-based music. That's why I released a house track first with no lyrics, nothing. Just a, um, a very chill down, lo-fi house, happy tune. Yeah, I do know what I'm going to release next. And it's probably going to be a, a blend of the two previous singles that I've released, but different in a way because it's more, I don't know deep i would say in a in a way more emotional and i'm singing in the track as well yes i, I just i want to have the um, possibility of releasing music and just releasing whatever i want you know 
if I if I feel like releasing an um, instrumental track, I can do it. If I feel like releasing a collaboration with a very different artist than me, I can do that. And if I want to sing five folk acoustic songs, I want to be able to do that. I want to be very versatile. So I think that's kind of the statement that I'm trying to make right now. I think especially now is the kind of time for that when genre is not really as much of a thing as it used to be. You're in a much more fortunate position as an artist where it's a lot easier to kind of do that. Yeah. And it maybe would have been in the past. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's why I'm, I'm happy that I started releasing music by myself now and not before. I feel much more free and, and much more secure of who I am as an artist and feel more confident in releasing any type of music. And like that's how people listen to music nowadays. Um, nowadays. Anyways, you know. You don't know anyone that listens to like only hip hop from the 90s, you know, like you, everyone listens to a lot of music and uh, I think that's cool and I think that's the music I want to make. It makes music that people are creating more interesting as well when you're kind of channeling all these different things into it and it isn't just kind of restricted to this one area. If you manage, if people can recognize your sound despite the fact that it's a different genre, then for me that would be a huge win, you know, like even if it's just by the chord progression or the feeling of the song. If they know, oh yeah, I know, this sounds like Loverground. That's what I'm aiming for, really. You'd, you'd kind of, you've been in projects before, though. You used to you used to front an indie band, right? Was it Smooth Ends? Yep. Yeah, yeah. How, when did the progression shift from wanting to kind of write songs in that style to doing something like this? What was kind of motivating that shift? It was very, very gradual, man. Like, even when I was back in the band, I, I was already writing songs by myself. I always knew I at some point I wanted to to do that. I just didn't have the right format for it. But yeah, Smooth Ends was amazing, just an amazing experience. We didn't know we were an indie band per se. I mean, we were indie in the sense that independent, self-release, we were doing everything by ourselves. Yeah, no, great times. Great times. How long were you with them for? We were involved in the project, I would say, for like fully probably like three years and a half, maybe a bit more. So was that a project that started when you moved over to London from France? Or actually, when? I moved over to London from Argentina. I'm French. I used to live in Buenos Aires. I'm French-Argentine, so my my parents are from Argentina. Ah, right. So did you did you grow up in France or Argentina then? Uh, I grew up in... So I was born in France. I've lived there until I was 13 years old. And then I moved to Buenos Aires. I spent my teenage years there and then moved back... Uh, moved to London when I was like 19. How did you kind of navigate that? Man, just, I don't know, go with the flow, you know? And I mean, it was natural at the time. I knew I wanted to change scenarios. I I was, I wanted to move outside of Buenos Aires. I knew I wanted to go to London as well because I wanted to make music. I don't know why I had that idea in my mind. I think I was right, by the way. Like, London is a good place to create. You studied, was it psychology and neuroscience though? Yes. Um, but that was after the band. Ah, okay. I, yeah. So I moved to London and I went to music school. I went to a school that used to be called LCCM, London Centre of Contemporary Music. And uh, that's where I met half of Smooth Ends. Yeah, it was great. I, I, that's how I started. I used to use their studios. They had like recording studios available and no one was using them. I don't know why, like... No one was using the facilities, so I just went like, you know what, I'm going to record an EP in here. That's where the first Smooth Ends EP was recorded, in LCCM. Was that the first time you produced something as well? I didn't produce that one, actually. It was um, a friend that I met in music school, yeah, in LCCM. 
um, Argent, uh, Argentine guy, Dan Nathanson. Very good um, sound engineer and music producer. At what point did you start kind of producing your own stuff then? I always did. I bought my first interface back in Buenos Aires when I was 16. I started I started playing like guitar quite late. I learned that 14 years old and then uh, like a year later, yeah, two years later I bought my first interface and I started recording my own demos, very crappy ones, but that's when I started, yeah. What sort of stuff was that like? What how would you describe that music you were kind of creating at 16? What was the first kind of thing you gravitated to? <laughs> I did a, same as now, man. I did a bit of everything. Um but it was mostly like bedroom pop, you know, very indie. I used to listen to a lot of King Cruel. That's that's right when uh, King Cruel started releasing music and I was heavily influenced by him. I wanted to sound like him. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. There's actually a song that I left on my SoundCloud. It was one of the first songs that I wrote. It's called Sleepless. I'm going to track it down, yeah. Yeah, uh, just guitar bass music with a lot of reverb on both the guitar and the vocals kind of lo- lo-fi type stuff yeah 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 yeah. lo-fi type stuff also because i didn't know how to record drums or program drums so i would just tend to do very simple very simple stuff would you say then from that kind of point where you first started you know writing and producing your own stuff from then to now do you think you've progressed more as a songwriter or as a producer both yeah both i mean you know like anything else in life you keep you you work and 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 you get you get better i think my production got better in the past especially in the past two years i think i'm a songwriter first and then and then a producer i know i said um producer based music but i wouldn't pride myself in saying i'm an amazing producer i just i do i do what i can it's not one of my strongest skills but listen hey there's still time (laughs) (laughs) i did want to ask about the the study in neuroscience as well because that seems quite fascinating can you can you relate that to your music in any way? Like, have you been able to kind of forge a connection there? Definitely, I think it helped me more. Like, like I'm not talking about the specific sub- subject. I'm just talking about the studying skill. You know, it's something that I didn't have. I I think I learned to sit my butt down and and really discipline myself to finish things and work on things. And it definitely helped me on my songwriting journey. You know, to even like go back to old songs and, and finish them. Even when I'm making a beat, like, you know, ran, on a random day, I, 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 I tackle it differently, you know. Uh, I think it really helped me in that sense. Kind of given you a little bit of a sense of routine, almost. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's a lesson that took a long time to learn. But r- routine is essential. It's It's so important. Routine and discipline, it's are two things that I... I really try to maintain in my life because they're just, they're very beneficial, man. And even like, I think the, you know, the idea of the creative mind, the artist, the bohemian that just comes up with great ideas and, and writes. I mean, it might be true for some people, but I think it's a very small minority. I think and my girlfriend was telling me the other day, I think it's um, Roald Dahl that said something, I don't remember the quote, but something along the lines that creativity has to catch you at your in the act he has to catch you working at your desk and uh for me at least it turned out to be true was the kind of the idea of the bohemian and, and someone who just comes up with those great ideas is that something you kind of had as a teenager and then that kind of slipped away when you started to work on music more yeah definitely man like i would look up to people like you know kurt cobain or like pete doherty very like destructive other destructive souls that just create and suffer and then i realized like that's not the kind of life that i want to live 
at all. What age were you when, when that kind of realization hit? Oh man, I would, <laughs> pretty recent, I would say. Around the time when, when Smooth Ends ended, I guess, I probably still had that. The, you're being sold that fantasy as well, that things will happen for you, you know, just out of the blue. People re- will recognize your talent. You will be picked up by that one guy in this industry that will see the potential that you have. And I don't think that's that's true at all. I think you have to make it happen for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And that, that self-destructive kind of edge you speak about with those people like Pete Docherty and Kurt Cobain, that that does come with a romance as well, though. Like there is something kind of... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You, 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 I, I used to romanticize that 100%. I wanted to be like those guys, emulate them in, in many ways. But yes, I, I, that's not the, the path that I want to take. Interesting what you said about kind of like trying to, you know, to emulate them. Were you ever like conscious of being self-destructive or was that never something you really strayed too close towards? I don't know if I, yeah, maybe. I, when I say emulate them, I would probably try and, you know, copy them in a very basic teenage way, you know, like trying to dress like them or talk like them or just sound like them. Or even like, well, maybe, yeah, like picking up smoking and drinking and that. Um, I always had red flags in my life when that happened, you know, if I went down the destructive path immediately something happened that would tell me like you probably gotta stop here buddy you know have you noticed your approach to like songwriting change as a result of that realization and that kind of now now that you've stopped trying to emulate that how has that impacted your songwriting and your creativity it has impacted in the way that i pretty much take it as work which was a word that i used to fear in the past now i'm happy with it you know it's like it's my job. It's my work. I want to do this. I want to sit down every day and try to do this as much as possible. It has changed in that way, you know. When it comes back to studying, you know, psychology and neuroscience as well, did did you ever look at what impact listening to music has upon your brain? Um, no. Reason being is, I mean, of course, I've 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 heard of it. I've studied it a little bit, but I never went in depth in that subject because I want to take. I wanted to take the the two disciplines apart in a way. I wanted to make you know make sure there are two different things in my life. I don't want to be a music therapist, you know. Or um, one thing that I do remember and that I've applied in my life is first year of uh, psychology and neuroscience. We looked briefly at something called. Have you heard of binaural beats? I've not. No. Um, they're just sounds that they use in like uh, for meditation, like tr- like ambient music tracks. And what they do is they basically they send. You, you have to listen to them with headphones, and they send two different frequencies in each ear. And what your brain does is kind of uh, balance those two sounds and make and make them go into one symphony, so that your left and right hemisphere kind of blend together and vibrate in the same frequency if if that makes sense that's fascinating yeah i don't know if it's very well backed up by evidence but from a personal experience it seems to work a lot like i use them a lot to meditate i don't know they just that's what they do they entrain your brain to a certain frequency so like let's say you can record the electrical activity in your brain and when you're doing something like if you're sleeping your brain will vibrate to a certain frequency or when you're active studying alpha waves theta waves deep sleep i think it's delta waves and so on there's a certain frequency that occurs when you're in in a meditative state 
and you can apparently use those sounds to entrain your brain to a meditative state yeah do you meditate quite often then yes it's always been a part of my life i tried to make it part of my routine successfully at times not so good at other times um, but recently i've managed to do it every day at least for half an hour it makes a big difference i really recommend it when you say you meditate for half an hour is that half an hour when you're in that deep state or is that half an hour including the kind of getting to that point and then coming out of it as well yeah yeah it's half an hour including getting to that point so on some days you know you you i i try to do it either first thing when i wake up or last thing before i go to bed sometimes you just you get into that state very quickly and some other times it's a bit more difficult you know we're so overloaded with sensory information that at least in my personal experience i find myself just being overwhelmed you know like my brain is like <laughs> so yeah usually half an hour i try to what's it like when you finish doing that and that kind of period directly after that how do you feel i feel good i feel very good i feel relaxed it just it has so many benefits that i, I don't know where to start you know it's even if you want to use it in the practical sense just to improve your attention your memory anything it just it's great for me it's more the case of um, making the vibrate <laughs> taking care of yourself first make sure you're in the right state of mind to start your day or to go to bed it's just you kind of hit the reset button well i mean when it comes to something like memory what sort of an impact has it had on that and then how does that fit into music because memory is such kind of a, a pivotal part of creating music for me, I have a very bad memory, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm starting from a rough baseline, but um, I don't know if it makes a big difference to me in that sense. But it does make me more aware and more present and more in touch with my emotions. And that definitely can have an, an impact when it comes to, you know, making music. Is music something that's done that for you as well, though? has kind of taken these emotions in that yeah. creative yeah yeah i mean that's that's probably the main reason why i make music because it gets me in that flow state and i think it's what we're all chasing you know that precise moment where you just you're just fully involved in what you're doing and you lose the sense of time you're just i don't know you turn off that front side of your brain the the prefrontal cortex that you know makes you think about the future and ruminate about the past that just stops you know and um when when you get there it's 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 amazing i think that's somehow what we we all chase how long can you kind of sustain that period for when you're in that zone to be honest with you not very long because i realized so like let's say the other day i got back home quite late and i was like okay i'm gonna sit down and try and make a, a song and i got i got into that state straight away it's just amazing when it happens like I, you, I lay down everything just the chords the beat the melody in the in the blink of an eye and when you get in that creative moment it's just the best the best ride possible i think but i did the entire track in probably 25 minutes after that you can feel it it's almost like a roller coaster ride you know you can feel it descending and then you go to the more boring side of it which is like oh my vocal has too much reverb i should probably change that drum sound i should probably tweak the bass line and so on and so on that's not as fun as the first half that what you were describing though where you kind of managed to get into it straight away and you know that song came together in about like 25 minutes or so was that a similar process for the debut single did it because it kind of came together over an afternoon or so did it 
exact same. I was writing my dissertation for my degree and I was taking a break, non allowed break. You know, those things you go like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do a bit real quick, but I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing that. I even did it. Um, this is going to sound a bit sad for music lovers out there, but I didn't even use my keyboard. I just used the, the computer keyboard, played it with the, um, the, the keys of my, my Mac. I, I, I wrote that song in like, man, it was quick, like 15 minutes. I kept it there on my laptop. I think like two days later, I played it again. And I was like, yeah, this, this is good. I should just, I should release it. I was, I knew I wanted to release mu- like songs. I didn't know what to start with. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just release that track. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Let's just, I want this to be carefree and very spontaneous. So I should probably kick it off with, with this tune. And it worked. It did well. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked. It did, it, did, it did fairly well for for first single, I think. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot to be honest i had no expectations whatsoever other than putting it out there and and having my friends enjoy it so did that song change at all from you know the kind of first the, the first structure that was put together that afternoon to the final master or did it kind of stay nope didn't change not at all at all nope i didn't i i just mix it a little bit but i had the the structure laid out from the very beginning it was one of those lucky ones you know how how often does that happen what's your kind of average work time on a song um, it really depends. Like the next single that's going to come out now took me years to finish. It's now done. It took me a long time. So I think, to be honest with you, I wrote the first demo of that track in like late 2017. So that's a long time. It's funny, actually, the, the track is called Be Patient. <laughs> and that took a very long time. Like I did a first demo and then I switched it around. Then I got rid of half of the song. I did a different bass line. I recorded vocals once, then I lost the vocals. I had to do them again. It was a very, very long song to make. I had a friend record backing vocals one day randomly. Then I had a friend of mine to mix it. I didn't like it so much. I tried with another producer and so on. It was sort of a collaborative track in that sense because a lot of people contributed to the final, final sound. I'm fascinated by the fact that with that taking like, you know, two and a half years or so to put together, obviously over that period, you know, we were speaking earlier about like some of the changes you've kind of gone through in the last few years, you obviously change a lot over a couple of years. How does that internal change that you go through as a person then impact the song that you've you spent making over those kind of two, three years? Man, a lot. It's a very important track for me because I wrote it a long time ago and I wrote the lyrics. I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it, but I think now that I look back into it, it's sort of um, a letter to my future self. So the track, it's called Be Patient. The lyrics are almost like um, a series of advice for a better life that I'm giving myself, you know? Sort of like almost full circle now. And I'm still waiting to release it. I, I don't know when the release date is going to be. But yeah, it's a very, very important track for me. And, and I think to date, it's it's my, my best one. <laughs> I think I don't want to speak too much, but um, yeah. Now that you are at a place, you know, a few years on from it, and what you're speaking there about how it being, you know, like a letter to your future self, what would you what would you say about that advice? How how accurate was that advice? Was it good advice? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good advice, and it's still things that I'm I'm working on and and stuff that I'm I'm, I'm still trying to you know find the the right answers. But I think the in- initial creative spark was was pretty accurate. I talk about you know being a man and just being 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 honest and being patient, just like 
trusting yourself i guess are those the kind of things that you live your life by like do you are there other mantras as well is that that you kind of i I try to man it's not easy you know i think it's a it's an ongoing process but uh, first of all the track is called be patient and i could release it tomorrow but i just i feel like it's not the right time yet so i will wait until the 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 time feels right and then being honest definitely i think that's probably the moral value that i hold the highest i think it's important being true to yourself in order to be true to others as well and i think it's a value that needs recalling i think we need to to remember like i was taking the tube today and i was looking at the um, the signs i feel like nowadays there's a big emphasis on being nice which is good i think you should be nice but i think it's more important to be honest you know because sometimes you have to risk not being nice in order to be honest you know yeah i think being nice has got the world in quite a lot of trouble <laughs> in uh in recent years yeah yeah i just i don't know it's weird and also so, most of the times it's um being nice is lacking um realness you know you choose to be n- nice rather than have meaningful connections or conversations or interactions with others um i'm not i'm not yeah i'm not very keen on it i don't know yeah it's a it's a weird one does being you know, being a musician makes that easier though because when you're you know expressing yourself in music and making yourself vulnerable in this place and being completely honest does it then make it easier to be honest in conversations with people outside of it or does it have any impact on that at all yeah probably the, the other way around i think it starts by the individual first so like you know i feel like if i get to be more honest in my my personal life and in my relationships then i get the chance to have more meaningful and more honest songs you know but maybe hopefully it translates in the music as well you know i don't know i guess if you make a very honest and personal song then it will be received in the same way and it's a very sort of um new agey concept but i i do believe in like vibrations and energies and and i think that's what music is in the end you know it's a vibration and the song and the music that I vibe to usually like it's very not always but it's like personal like honest music like as I said before even when I was a teenager King Cruel and those sort of artists like you can tell it's coming straight from their soul no filter whatsoever hopefully that's what helps you be more recognizable Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.